0: Welcome to Be Set Free, the radio outreach of Whitefield's Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Be Set Free features the teaching ministry of Pastor Nick Cady. Pastor Nick's desire is to bring the gospel into our lives so we can experience the joy and freedom. William that the Shakespeare found through said
1: through that Jesus. all the world is today's a stage, message
0: comes from and series, and women are culture culture. players."
1: a study of the sermon. You know, for anyone who stands on a stage Pastor for whatever Nick. reason, whether to perform or to speak or to teach, one of the most important things is to know your audience. You know, are you speaking to a group of kindergartners? Are you speaking to a group of college students? The the people you're speaking to, who you're doing something for or unto, that affects very much what you do and how you do it. You know, I just mentioned that Pastor Jeff and I were heading over to Eastern Europe tomorrow to do ministry. And when you speak internationally, that's very important. It's important to know your audience. Uh, You speak differently. You use different analogies. When I pastored in Hungary, I actually pastored two churches. And they were, in very, they were very different. One was in a bigger city. It was mostly, you know, middle class urbanite people. And the other one was in a very small town and it was attended by mostly poor migrant workers. Many of them were illiterate. Many of them only had been to school for a few years. And the way that I spoke to each of those groups was very different because of, you know, who they were. I had to know my audience. So it's always important to know your audience. And I think that for most of us, uh, knowing our audience is something that we intuitively do because our actions are affected by who we do something for and why we do those things. Now here in this section of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to talk about The importance of sometimes stopping, taking a break, and considering why you are doing what you are doing and who you're really doing it for. The title of today's message is, Know Your Audience. Now in the Sermon on the Mount, just some quick background. Jesus is speaking to a group of prospective disciples. And he's describing to them, he's laying out for them and for us what it means to be a disciple of him. What it means to be part of this kingdom that he has come to establish. Jesus is giving the foundational principles of what it means to be a Christian. Of how we will live if he is our king. Furthermore, Jesus is laying out a culture. He's laying out a way of living and relating to people and God and things, which is radically different than what is common to most people in the world. It's an approach to life which is extremely countercultural. And so we pick up here in the Sermon on the Mount as Jesus is saying something very countercultural in the area of what we would call piety. Now let me explain what I mean by the word piety because I'm going to be using it a lot. Uh, what I mean by that is outward practices of spirituality and faith. Okay, so here's what Jesus says in verse 1. Chapter 6, verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. In the last chapter, in chapter 5, Jesus, especially towards the end, talked a lot about this topic of righteousness. And the main point That He was making is this, that righteousness is not only an issue of your actions, righteousness is more than that, it's actually an issue of your heart. In other words, God isn't only interested in your outward actions and the things that you actually do outwardly, God cares also very much about what's going on inside your heart and in your mind. Now in chapter 5, Jesus talked about righteousness mostly in terms of morality. But here in chapter 6, Jesus is going to be talking about righteousness as regards piety. Now, again, piety being outward practices of spirituality and faith. These are things like going to church, reading your Bible, fasting, giving of tithes and offerings, doing charitable deeds, these kinds of things. Now, it's important to notice this, that both of these things are important to God. These are two aspects of righteousness, and both are important to God, both morality and piety, and I think that's very important to recognize because some people, especially in our society, I think they tend to think that God is concerned really with morality, but not so much with piety. You hear people say things like, you know, God doesn't really care if you go to church or not. God doesn't really care if you read your Bible or or pray or whatever, you know, God doesn't really, He doesn't really care that much if you give tithes or offerings or, you know, give of your finances because, you know, those are just religious things and that's not what God's interested in. God just wants you to live a moral and ethical life. How many times have you heard people say things like that? I think it's very common, especially in our culture. And, And here's what Jesus would say. Well, that's not actually true. I mean, actually, piety is very important to God. He does care about that. So here in this section, Jesus is telling us this. Piety is a good thing. Just make sure you know who your audience is. Make sure you're clear on why you're doing acts of piety and who you're doing them for because a lot of people get off track with that and it can get pretty ugly pretty fast when you're doing acts of piety for the wrong reasons. And so Jesus gives us here the first reason, uh, first wrong reason for piety, and he says it's to be seen by others. If doing acts of piety, to be seen by others, to impress others, that's the, the wrong motivation. It's the wrong way to do it. You know, I think we live in a very image-conscious culture. We're very focused on how we look, how we appear, and how other people perceive us. Your image, you might say, both figuratively and literally. Your image is very important in our culture. And this can easily bleed over into our thinking about spiritual matters as well. The thinking kind of goes like this you know, that it doesn't really matter if I am spiritual. What's important is that other people perceive me to be spiritual, right? The other people think that I'm spiritual, that I have the image of being a spiritual person. And I think especially nowadays with the internet and social media being such a big part of life, you know, it's almost like social media is an extension of your identity to the point where, you know, it's almost like if you don't post something online, well, then it might as well have never even happened, Now, I use social media. I do think it's a great tool for keeping in touch and and spreading messages. Uh, And I can't help but—now, think about this. I cannot help but think what the Apostle Paul would have done if he would have had the Internet in his day. He would have freaked out this guy. He would have been like, wait a second here. You're telling me I can reach billions of people with the gospel Like, without even getting out of my bed, I can write a letter to the Galatians, and it doesn't have to be carried by some guy who's probably going to get murdered on the way, and it's going to take him, like, three months. It'll arrive in, like, two seconds to the Galatians? You mean I could preach the gospel to people in every corner of the world without having to get on boats and get shipwrecked and get bitten by snakes and all kinds of stuff like that? Sign me up. I want a laptop and I want some free Wi-Fi right now. That's what he would have said. The Apostle Paul, if he was around today, he would have seen the internet as the greatest avenue mankind has ever had for spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. He would have had a blog. He would have had a Facebook account. He would have been all over Twitter blowing the thing up. He'd have a podcast. He would be all over that thing. But the same things that are great about social media that make them an amazing, powerful tool for good are also the things which can lend themselves to its being detrimental. And I think we all realize that. But here's the thing about social media that's very, you know, core to what it is. For better or for worse, social media is a, it's a controlled environment, right? In which you control what other people can see about you or what they can't see about you, what they know about you or what they don't know about you. In other words, you project an image about yourself. That's what you're doing on social media. You are projecting an image about yourself to the world and it may or may not reflect reality. For example, I know people... Who, if you would look at their Facebook, you look at their Instagram, you would think that they're just happy, smiling people. They love life. They love their family. They love their spouse. They're happily married. They love Jesus. And they're just happy and fulfilled and everything's awesome. But in reality, that same person is actually super depressed. Their marriage is sputtering and struggling. Their walk with the Lord is not strong at all. And yet they project this image online that everything's good. But it's not actually reality. Now, you might say, well, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to just like put out all their junk out there on the internet for everybody to see? That's not a good idea either. The point is this. We we live in a society which is increasingly image-conscious and image-focused, in which it is easier and, and more common than ever before to project an image about yourself to the world for people to see and think things about you which may or may not be true. But here's the thing, that God sees reality. God sees reality. He knows what's actually going on in reality, in your heart, in your mind, in your relationships. You can't fool him. You can't pull one over on him. He sees through the fake smiles and the misleading facades. God sees through the image that we try to project about ourselves to the reality. And what God desires is for us to be authentic with him because he knows it anyway. So, piety is good. It's just very important, and this is what Jesus is saying. It's so important that you know your audience. Who are you doing that for? Are you doing those acts of piety simply out of reverence and devotion to God, or are you doing them to be seen by others? Now, somebody might say, Well, wait a second. In our last chapter, I specifically remember in chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus says, Let your light so shine. So that other people will see it and they'll see your good works and they'll give glory to your Father who's in heaven. So wasn't Jesus there saying that we should have a very public spiritual life and that we should let other people see our good works? Absolutely, that's what he was saying. Well, well then what is this about where it says that we should be doing things in secret? Well, well, here's the difference. Think about it this way. The followers of Jesus should be seen doing good works, but they should not be doing good works in order to be seen. Does that make sense?
0: You've been listening to a message by Pastor Nick Cady of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'll get back to the remainder of this message in a moment. We are open for in-person worship on Sunday mornings with services at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m., Come grow with us on Sunday mornings, online or in person at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. Now, back to Pastor Nick with the remainder of today's message.
1: How about I put it this way? One author said it this way. God's desire is that we would show our faith when we are tempted to hide it, but that we would hide our piety when we are tempted to show it off. I'll say that one more time. So God's desire is that we would show our faith when we're tempted to hide it and that we would hide our piety when we're tempted to show it off. You know, our church was mentioned in the newspaper the past two Sundays here in Longmont. And in the first one, they were interviewing me and I got to share about, you know, some of the stuff that our church does in the community and how our church is very focused on the gospel. In the second article, they were talking about our outreach that we did last Saturday here in the park. And this is a quote from the newspaper. It said, Whitefields employs a very community, community-oriented approach in Longmont. The senior pastor, Nick Cady, says, we love our community and we want to bless families. So I think that's great because you know what that is? That's letting our light shine before our city so that they know who we are and who our God is because of our good works. We're able to share with them about our God and about the gospel. Now, uh, we should be doing good works And we should be public about our faith in order to bring attention to who our God is and to share about the gospel and the hope that we have in Jesus. But we don't do it in order to bring attention to ourselves in a way of bragging about our piety. So Jesus says if you do things for the applause and the attention of other people, then their applause and their attention, that will be your reward. You will receive uh, no other reward from your Father who's in heaven. But let me tell you, it is much better to be rewarded by God than to be applauded by men. So Jesus says, to do acts of piety for the purpose of being seen by others, that is what it means to be a religious hypocrite. That's the definition. And and the last thing this world needs, right, is more religious hypocrites. See what he says about hypocrisy in verse 2. Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now Jesus uses this word hypocrite to describe these people. Now the word hypocrite comes from the Greek word Hypocrites, which means a stage actor. This would be somebody who acts in plays and stuff. And so, in the hypocrites, in Greek culture, in ancient Greece, they were these stage actors, and they wear these masks. Maybe you've seen them, where they have these very exaggerated expressions on the mask. So you get like these huge smiles or these really deep frowns, so that people in the very back of the theater. Could understand the emotion that the actors were trying to portray. So here's the idea behind what a hypocrite is. He says a hypocrite is a stage actor, hence it is a person who pretends to be something which they are not. Again, so it's the idea of projecting an image, pretending to be what you are not in reality, wanting people to see you as something which you are not actually. So in this section, Jesus talks now, he's going to mention three spiritual disciplines, giving, prayer, and fasting. Now these three spiritual disciplines uh, were and are to this day the central requirements of pietistic Judaism. In other words, personal piety, personal religion in Judaism. If you were a, this is central to the idea of what it means to be a good religious Jew. Charitable giving, prayer, and fasting. So Jesus says, when you give to the needy, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do. Now what Jesus is referring to is that this was an actual practice of some Pharisees in that day. The, the way that charitable giving was generally done in that time was through the temple or through local synagogues. And the people would give their money to the synagogue or the, to the temple leaders, and the temple leaders or the synagogue leaders would then distribute that money to the poor, or they would use it to feed the poor or take care of the poor. It was all done very discreetly. It was done anonymously. And this is something we do even in our church. I mean, this is something many, many churches do today. We do benevolence, and we do it discreetly and anonymously. The problem was that, if the, that the Pharisees began to think, well, if I give anonymously through the temple or through the synagogue, well, then how will people know about my giving? Well, how will people find out about it if they don't see me do it? How will people know how generous I am because I'm a good religious person? And so here's what some of the Pharisees started doing. They would literally go into the streets and blow a trumpet, and that would be a sign for all the poor people to gather around, and they would hand out money to the poor people, just like right in their hand, or they'd hand out things to them. They were literally tooting their own horn. And so they, they would just blow this horn, all the poor people would gather around, and they'd give out the money, and it was a public thing, everybody could see, oh wow, how great this person is that he gives to the poor like this. Uh, but Jesus says the people who do that, they're hypocrites, because they aren't actually concerned with helping the poor, they're not actually concerned with pleasing God. What they're doing is they're just doing it to impress other people, and that's not right, it's rotten. Instead, Jesus says, when you give, notice he doesn't say if you give, because Jesus expected that his followers would be generous with their giving, because that's who God has been to us. God has been generous, and he has given to us. So Jesus says not if you give, but when you give, don't even let your right hand know or sorry, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, obviously, that's a figure of speech, but the point is, do your giving discreetly and don't make a show out of it, so much so that if it were even possible, you wouldn't even let yourself know about what you're doing. In other words, Jesus is telling us, don't allow yourself any kind of indulgent self-congratulations for the things that you do. If you give with your right hand, don't let your left hand pat you on the back is another way of putting it. Don't, don't get in the mode of thinking, yeah, you know, I, I really do give a lot. You know, I really do give more than others. You know, if everybody else around here gave like me, things would be a lot different. Things would be good. Jesus says, no, don't allow yourself indulgent self-congratulations when you do good things. If you're really doing it for God, if you're really doing it to help other people, then don't make a show out of it. and Don't congratulate yourself for it. Don't pat yourself on the back. Just do it. Let God see it, and let God worry about rewarding you. He says, your heavenly Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Know your audience. Know who you're doing it for. Are you doing it unto the Lord, or are you doing it to impress other people? The only reason you would want other people to know about your acts of piety is to impress them, and in that case, you're playing to the wrong audience and for the wrong reason. Now, some people read this, and they would, they would get worried that if anybody finds out about their giving, that they would somehow lose their reward. And So some people don't even want to report it on their taxes. They don't want anything because they're worried that they'll lose their reward. I think, though, the point that you got to see here is that Jesus is talking about the issue of motives. What are you doing it for? Are you trying to impress other people or are you doing it because uh, you truly are doing it unto the Lord? And if you're doing it unto the Lord, then it doesn't matter if anybody finds out about it. God sees the heart and he sees the motive and he will give a reward. So now after talking about giving, Jesus now transitions into talking about prayer in verse 5. He says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand in the, and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Again, like with giving, Jesus doesn't say, if you pray, he says, when you pray. The assumption is that disciples of Jesus will pray. Jesus' disciples, though, he says they shouldn't pray like the hypocrites do. Now, how did the hypocrites do it? The hypocrites loved to be seen by others, so they would stand on the street corners and pray. So imagine a bustling city where everybody's getting around by foot. And so they're at one of the main intersections where there was maximum visibility. These people who wanted to be seen as spiritual would stop there at these intersections, and they would pray out loud so they could be seen and heard by as many people as possible. And they loved to be asked to do the public prayer in the synagogue. That was really their moment to shine, their moment to show off how beautifully and eloquently they could pray so other people would be impressed. In other words, these people weren't out there uh, praying for a desire, out of a desire to seek God or to pour out their hearts to God, for them, prayer was an exhibition, an exhibition of their knowledge and their eloquence. For them, prayer was hardly about God at all, actually, because it was really more of an opportunity for them to build a, a reputation and an image for themselves as a upstanding spiritual person. Now, I don't know if you've ever encountered this where there's this sense of competition amongst people for image or status in a community. In some groups, you know, in in spiritual groups, sometimes that image or status can also have an air of spirituality to it. Honestly, I got to be honest, this isn't something that I find a lot here at Whitefields, but I have seen it in other places. Like we used to work with a Bible college, and we'd see it a lot amongst the Bible college students, you know, this big effort to prove how spiritual you are, that you're more spiritual than most, that you're really close to God because you are the most eloquent prayer of the group, right? Or, Or you're the one who really worships. You burn through a box of tissues Every single time you got a subscription where Amazon just sends you those big packs of tissue boxes because whenever you worship, you're in the front row, hands raised, on your knees, tears, mucus everywhere, and you're just going for it in worship because you are really serious about worship. The point is, what's the point in worshiping if nobody sees you, right? You know? I mean, just, and to be clear, I want to say this. I I think that being expressive in worship and connecting with God is a good thing. I would encourage all of us to do that. I think that public prayer is a good thing. But again, the point is, Jesus is asking about motives. Why are you doing it? Who are you doing it for? Are you trying to impress other people with it? You, You know, you can do the exact same action for good, sincere reasons, or you can do that same exact action for hypocritical reasons. It's really an issue of the heart, and that's what Jesus is speaking about. You know, last Saturday during our outreach, I was out there with one of our elders, and we were talking to a family from the community who had come out for the event. Now, this family was from Lyons, and they owned a ranch there that got flooded. Now they've moved here into town and they're just really struggling because they still got to pay mortgage on their ranch out there, even though they're not living there and they got to pay for a house here. So they're struggling to make ends meet. And, uh, and this guy, this elder from Whitefields I was standing there with, we were talking to this family and, and he says right there in the middle of the park, he says, hey, can I pray for you? And so he, he put his hand on him and he prayed for him right there that God would provide for him and take care of him and see, this, see them through this time. Now, was that a public prayer? Yeah, of course it was a public prayer. Did a whole bunch of people see him do that? Probably yes. But was he doing it in order to be seen by people, in order to impress people with uh, the fact that he's so spiritual? Well, not at all. He just cared about this family and wanted to bless them and and ask God to help them in their difficulty. You see, it's not that there's something wrong with public prayer or, or with expressive worship. That's not the issue at all. The issue is, why are you doing it? What are you doing it for? It's about knowing your audience and doing it unto the Lord from a pure heart, or are you doing it to be seen by others and to impress them? That's the question. So Jesus says, if the goal of prayer is to seek God and to speak to God, then it shouldn't matter if anybody ever sees you doing it. It shouldn't matter if anybody ever hears you. If you're talking to God, then it doesn't matter if your prayers are eloquent or if you're stumbling and awkward because you're talking to God. He doesn't need your eloquent words. He sees your heart and he he already knows your needs anyway. So when you pray, Jesus says, don't do it for the show. He says, get alone with God where nobody can see you, where nobody can hear you, and just make it about you and God. The point is knowing your audience. Who are you doing it for? And if God is your audience, then it doesn't matter if anybody sees you. It doesn't matter if anybody knows how long you prayed or what you prayed for or how eloquent your prayers were. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody is talking to one person but yet really they're trying to say something to somebody else who's within earshot of their conversation. You know what I'm talking about? Like they pretend they're talking to one person, but they know that somebody else is over here and can hear them. So they say something really loud as if they're talking to this person, but they're really trying to say something to that person. Now that, that kind of thing is actually an insult, right? It's an insult both to the person that they are speaking to directly and the person they're kind of speaking to indirectly in a backhanded way.